Hello, I am Asher Leamond, and welcome to the Spoon Drift Podcast. Here on the show, I talk a little bit about a lot of things. I skim the surface of a giant ocean of information, and I capture the spoon drift. Yeah, that's that's what I do. Hence the name. <laughs> on today's episode, I have some information about a mini-moon... A, a, a long side tangent about the Kerbal Space Program, <laughs> and some information about an innovative way to store energy. Let's begin. I learned something today that on Word, you have the ability to highlight with no color, and that just kind of confused me. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> if you're going to highlight something, usually I do it with the color to bring attention to a certain type of text. I'll be like, yeah, this this sentence is important, so I'm gonna highlight it with a different color. And then there's an option, because I was like, okay, I'm gonna mix up these colors. I'm gonna use a yellow, I'm gonna use a blue, a green, all kinds of highlights, because colorful text. Well, actually, I come up with like my own system for what certain color means. Like, yellow for me is usually just neutral. It's just like general information in a certain article that is of importance. Green is usually for terms that I'm unfamiliar with. I'll highlight the term with the definition in green. And then I I guess in in this instance, I use blue for just a certain sentence that that was very eloquently stated. But I was looking at other options and there was one for no color. And I was like, why? (laughs) Why would I want to highlight with no color? Anyway, I guess there's the option, and options are good, so why not? I mean, maybe there's a situation where you need to highlight with no color. I don't know what it... Oh, wait. Hang on. I just figured it out. It just came into my mind. Instead of, like, deleting a highlight, you could highlight an old highlight and turn it to no color. That's probably why it exists. But I kind of like the idea of highlighting something with no color. I think that's more ironic. Anyway, now to the actual story. I was doing some research for an interesting news article. Yeah, because it's what I do here. And I found one about a mini-moon, as it's called. And a mini-moon, apparently, is just a term that's given to something that temporarily orbits Earth. Or, I guess, really any planet. But in this case, it was Earth. So last year, in 2020, an object was identified as temporarily coming into Earth's orbit, and it was called 2020SO, and some analysis was done on it in order to try to identify what it was, and by analysis, specifically, specifically what I'm talking about is that they were able to gather some information about the object's chemical makeup, and From that information, they found out that this object that randomly kind of inserted itself into orbit around Earth was an old rocket booster. Specifically, a rocket booster from the 1960s that was used in the American Surveyor moon missions. And the American Surveyor moon missions, they lasted from June 1966 until about January 1968. And the whole point of it was to prove that we could send a spacecraft into space, who would have thought, and have it land 
on the moon softly. Um, and spoiler alert, they were successful. There were about seven missions, five of them worked, and eventually, you know, we also took humans up there. These were unmanned missions. They were just basically to prove the feasibility of a moon landing. And because, you know, it worked, they they moved forward with it and they put a person on the moon or a couple people. Um, so that happened. But one of the old rocket boosters from those missions, the not the manned ones, but, you know, the surveyor ones, it kind of, well, came back. <laughs> And last year. I mean, it had actually come back before it had made its way to Earth's orbit and then kind of slingshotted its way away, but hadn't quite escaped Earth's orbit. But that's going to change. In February of 2021, which would have been a couple of weeks ago, it had come in, you know, and they'd, we'd spotted it back in December 1st of 2020. We're like, all right, that's there. It's whipping its way around Earth, and then it's going to slingshot away, this time forever. It'll be gone quick enough to escape Earth's sphere of influence. And it's going to drift away, and it'll leave the orbit. So on, on that, that day, February 2nd, that'll, make its, that'll be when the rocket comes closest to Earth in its orbit, or the periapsis. That's the term for whenever an object is in orbit around Earth, and in, that's the point at which it comes closest to Earth. So that will happen on the February 2nd. And then, in about March, that's when it's it's going to be blasting its way. Well, I mean, I say blasting, but this is all, you know, without fuel. <laughs> it's just going to be moving away from Earth, and at that point, it won't be coming back. It'll be moving on out into space on its own. Kind of interesting. Now, like, okay, so this article, it was, it was published by Live Science. <laughs> and, and the final sentence of, of the article is so <laughs> well-worded. I love it. I have to share it with you. So the, the author, Brandon Spector, <laughs> right at the end, he says, Godspeed, Mini Moon 2020 SO. We built you. We abandoned you. And now, you abandon us. I just thought that was so cool. Well, well done, Mister Specter. I like it. This this whole article just reminded me of this video game that I've played called the Kerbal Space Program. It's just, it's basically a space simulator, or rather, a, like a rocket launch simulator. And because we've been talking about the the apoapsis which is or actually we talked about the periapsis yeah the periapsis is just the point in an orbit so like if, if a satellite is orbiting around earth the the shape of the orbit is not exactly circular it's more elliptical in shape so if you if you think of any ellipse it's basically like a stretched circle but if you put a dot in the middle and you measure the distance from that dot in the middle to the outside edge of the ellipse at the wow trying to describe this in words it's going to be very difficult okay i'm going to try this imagine a circle put a picture looking down at a table and drawing a circle now 
Put your finger on the left side and the right side of the circle and pull outwards. Now you have a stretched circle or kind of an ellipse. Not, not exactly because the middle, the top and bottom parts will also kind of stretch out a little bit too. But anyway, you get, you get the idea. So now if you put a, a dot in the center, if you measure the distance from that dot to the top, it'll be much shorter than from the dot to the right side or to the left side. So imagine that stretched circle is your orbit. The distance from the center to the top, that short distance, is what's called the periapsis because it's closest to the center of the orbit. And in, in the case of a satellite orbiting Earth, that will be the periapsis of the satellite when it's at its closest distance to Earth. Now, if you take the distance from the center point to the right or left side, which is the further distance, that will be the apoapsis, or the furthest point from the orbit, or furthest point between the object in orbit and Earth. In this case, these terms are actually body neutral, so you could use them for a satellite orbiting the moon or Venus or Mercury or anything. And in this game, it's so wildly awesome and crazy detailed. The, the, the point is you're running your own space program, so it's just like your the your NASA or your ESA or JAXA or something and you're trying to move rockets into space and you start from well I mean you, you don't have to like develop the actual rocket engines or the command modules you kind of have those but you you have to place different parts together to form a rocket to get into space and then you you move in stages like first off you want to just test you want to do you want to build the rocket with enough fuel and a powerful enough engine and a command module that you can send a person up 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 above earth's atmosphere to the very edges and then look out at space wow that's amazing and then come back down and you kind of you progress in your um space technology in, in kind of a similar fashion to any space agency or private company trying to get into space. First off, you just shoot the <laughs> command module up, get a look at space, and then come back down. After that, the next stage is to get into orbit. And getting into orbit is a bit different from just going up. Um, if you've ever seen a rocket launch, you'll, you'll notice that what, what happens is it kind of goes up and then it goes at an angle. So if... if um, they, they launch a lot of rockets off the coast of Florida here in the U.S. and specifically around Cape Canaveral. So what the rocket will do is it will, and this is the east coast of Florida, so it'll go up and then it'll angle out towards the ocean and then it'll keep angling down and down and down until it's like horizontal to the Earth's surface. And what that's doing is... Whenever you launch a rocket and you want to get something into orbit, the object is not to go up, but to go out and over Earth. Because you want as much horizontal velocity in order to not have the Earth pull you down. So a lot of the fuel is burned such that your velocity is pushing the rocket parallel to Earth's surface. So you're not trying to go just up, but you're trying to go over and by doing that, you speed up enough that the Earth is pulling you down, but it's not pulling you down any closer to the surface than you already are. It's 
you're trying to go out over Earth's surface, it's pulling you back down, and so you just end up in this never-ending circle around Earth. And that's that's what the International Space Station's doing. It's going fast enough that it doesn't even need fuel so much anymore to just keep blasting. It's already achieved, you know, that that critical velocity to stay in orbit. And that's why it's just it's just perpetually falling toward Earth. And so that's what you're trying to do in this Kerbal Space Program. And it's so cool. You you build a rocket and you get up and then you come back down and you're like, all right, that was cool. Now what do I do? I got to get into orbit. So you need a bit more fuel. You need more powerful boosters. And then you go up and you got to take into account your your velocity in, in both directions, the both components of that velocity. You're upwards because you want to get above Earth's surface and your horizontal, your X component of your velocity. So that way you are getting into orbit. And then once you get into orbit, I'm at the stage where I've made it to orbit and now I'm trying to get to the moon. <laughs> and... To get to the moon, you got to get into orbit. And then, <laughs> this is, oh man, this is just what is so amazing about this game. Um, well, you can, it's, so there's another view to the game where there's one where you're controlling the rocket itself. But then you can, you can step back to like a solar system map where you can look at your orbit path and then you can look at what adding what turning on your boosters in one direction how it will stretch your orbit and it like it it simulates what how your orbit will change and so as the moon is orbiting the earth or the moon as it is in the game you can look at at what point in your orbit around earth do you need to turn on your boosters and for how long in order to stretch your orbit in such a way that it actually breaks away from earth kind of like a um if if you've ever seen like in a thermos there's like a seal around the lid if you've that would be like an orbit and then you just snapped it and then the two ends is kind of opened up this is kind of what happens for the orbit turn your boosters on and the 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 seal just snaps and it stretches out towards the moon and then your rocket continues out and you you end up going toward the moon and then you got to Take you gotta try to figure out when you need to burn some fuel in order to insert yourself into lunar orbit. And man, it's it's very detailed and it's so cool. I love it. Oh man, it's very much a chilly video game. Yeah, so that's where I'm at now. <laughs> that was a bit of a side tangent. Um, I, I I love that game. It's very fun. I'm not very good at it. I'm I'm very poor. I crack. I there's. <laughs> It makes you realize what an iterative process uh, rocketry is. You don't get it on the first try at all. You do it again, you find out what's wrong, and you do it again, and then something else goes wrong, and you do it again, and you do it again, until you get it just right. Oh, man, it's fun. Yeah. And that, that this, this, this article just reminded me of that because, I mean, I'm at the point where, <laughs> like the U.S. was a number of years ago, um, and some countries are at this point now, and these boosters, well, okay, so whenever rockets go up, um, once a booster is out of fuel, they'll often shed the rocket booster, and that's why you'll see a rocket go up, and then, like, they've got three rockets, one beneath the main command module up at the top, and then two on the side, and then those two on the side will just, like, get ejected from the middle one, and then they'll just kind of fall back to Earth. 
Well, this is kind of what happened. Um, except instead of being an orbit around Earth, the rocket boosters were probably ejected closer to the moon. So that's why they've got such a big orbit coming toward Earth, and it's taken this long for it to get thrown out. A lot of times what happens for things in orbit around Earth, like satellites, if these boosters hadn't been on lunar missions, they would have been shed closer to Earth, and they would have either been in a continual orbit around Earth, or they had been forced, pulled down to Earth, and then burnt up in the atmosphere, or potentially worse, not burnt up in the atmosphere, and then hit Earth's surface, which does happen. And this gets into the whole space junk issue, which is a major problem that a lot of space agencies are monitoring right now, because we do have a lot of just stuff in orbit up there that we have no control of anymore. It's just trash, like old rocket boosters, old satellites that have been decommissioned. They're just orbiting up there without any power and so they were kind of an obstacle to any future space work but anyway this is a rocket booster that has come back and is leaving us forever i thought that was kind of interesting there's a bit of an interesting it's not so much new but a pretty interesting application or a, a pretty interesting process has been refined and applied recently to store energy. Specifically, energy that's, it's like, um, say there's a wind farm and a lot of energy is being produced, a lot of it's being used, but there's actually more being produced than is being used. There's, there's a bit of a need there to store that energy. Now, there are some conventional ways that we store energy, namely batteries. Those are a pretty prominent way that we store energy. But there's another approach that's um, a bit, it, it's a, uh, okay, I'll just go right ahead and say, it's using air to store energy, compressing and cooling the air so that it turns into a liquid. Yeah, air <laughs> into a liquid. It's not something you think about too often. But yeah, there's a company called Highview and what, what they're doing is they're taking surplus energy and compressing it so that way they can store the energy. And there's an article published by the BBC talking about this technology. How it works is that that excess energy taken from a power plant or a wind farm or some, some place where they're, they, they're producing more energy than they're using, they, it's directed to this plant where they use it to compress the air and cool it down to like below at or below negative 196 degrees Celsius, which is about negative 320 degrees Fahrenheit. So really cold. And like imagine the air that's around you right now and turning it into a liquid when it's a gas at, you know, room temperature. It got, it's got to get really cold. And, and the way this works is they compress this air, a lot of it, shorten some tanks, and then whenever the need comes to use the energy, they pull the liquid out and they let it expand. And the air, whenever you compress it, you, you basically, the volume that it takes up is one, is like close to 700 times less than what it is whenever it's in its gas form. So that means when you expand it again, 
the volume, it, it gets bigger. It's 700 times bigger. And they use that change in volume to drive a turbine and generate electricity just by compressing the air using excess energy and then letting it expand again and spin a turbine and generate electricity. So interesting. And you know what the emission is for this process? <laughs> air. That's not that harmful. <laughs> there's no combustion. There's, there's no engine running based on combustion. I mean, this, this is an engine, but it's got a different type of fuel. It's just air. It's neat. What, what, what are the benefits and some of the drawbacks? In this BBC article, it talks about how the efficiency of the engine is about 60 to 70%, but that you take the, the efficiency, it's 100% isn't always something that's going to be achievable. So 60 or 70 percent. Don't think. Don't compare it necessarily to 100 percent. It is a bit less efficient than a battery, but the the major benefit is it just relies on air, which is readily available. You know, if if we don't have air, we got bigger problems. <laughs> so that 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 opens up the scalability of the the plant itself, and also the article points out that this process of relying on air. It doesn't create a demand for rare earth minerals that are, you know, I mean, some some chemicals are used in batteries. Um, magnets are often used in renewable energy applications. And these magnets and chemicals sometimes rely on more specialized materials that are less common. They're more difficult to either mine if they're minerals or extract from other materials. And so because it's so easily accessible, you know, air is just kind of hanging out there. It's around. It, it doesn't increase a dependence on any material that may run out soon or we may lose access to or may just be simply hard to acquire at this point. So those are some of the benefits to this process. Now, the the, the idea behind the, the thermodynamics of it, it's based on the Claude cycle. And the, the Claude cycle, it takes advantage of the expansion of gas and then the temperature change that happens as a result. And you can look up the Claude cycle or the Claude process and learn a bit more about that. It's a thermodynamic cycle that is being used in this plant. It's been around for a while. It's applying it in a new way or not so much a new way, just actually applying it. So yeah, that's, I thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> And now for the music update. This week, I'm looking forward to the release of Chung Ha's new album, Carencia. That album will feature singles like Play, featuring Cheng Mo, Everybody Has, Dream of You, and Stay. And it's looking to be a very large album at 21 songs, which is not, not typical. <laughs> and that's not a double negative that was just me repeating it as in I don't know how to speak so it's not very typical my music picks this week and get ready because there's a lot of them are you don't look at me the same by great good fine okay American alternative Willie by no big deal and Andy Mineo American rap love song by why don't we American pop so Beautiful by DPR Ian, Korean R&B, 
And uh, um, a while back, I actually used that on an, an Instagram story, that song. It's, it's catchy. <laughs> uh, Without You by Isaac Hong, Korean Ballad. I Need You by Bake A. Yeon, Korean Ballad. Stay With Me by Sweden Laundry with Choi Yoo Ri, Korean Ballad. Uh, Where'd All the Time Go by Dr. Dog, American Indie. That one got recommended by a friend of mine, and I was, I, I really liked it. I was like, I listened to this song, and it sounded so old. I'm like, when did this come out? And apparently it wasn't didn't come out that long ago. It was like 2010, but man, it sounds so 60s. I'm not too familiar with that era, but it reminds me of like the Beatles type music. It's a pretty good song. I like it. I listen to it a lot. And they have a full album of all music that sounds like it's from that time period. It's pretty good. The next song is Ghosts by Silver Sphere, American Alt Pop. Didn't Make It by Charlie Adams, American Alt Pop. And that song reminds me so much of Phoebe Bridgers. When I first, when it came on, because at this point, when I, I was finding these songs, I was just letting new songs be recommended to me. And that one came on, and I thought it was Phoebe Bridgers, but it looked and it wasn't. And I was like, wow, okay, but it's good. Next song is Affection by Fiji Blue. American Alternative, Waves, also by Fiji Blue, American Alternative, Jackie Onassis by Elio, American Alt Pop. That song's good. <laughs> I listen to it a lot. And I had no idea who Jackie Onassis was, but apparently that's referring to Jackie Onassis Kennedy, as in the First Lady. I didn't know that. I didn't know that's what her name was. Anyway, that's an American alt-pop song. The Car by Knightley, American alt-pop. And finally, the next four songs are all by the same artists, by Wolf. And yeah, well, I'll go off, I'll, I'll say the names. They are Styrofoam Cup, Villain, Play Dead, and Waist High Jeans. I think the first song that came on this was another one of those that came on recommended. It was Styrofoam Cup. And when that when that came on, I was like, this is good. What other music does this person have? So I looked up Wolf, and I played some of their music. And lo and behold, wow, I like a lot of this artist's music. And it's on this, it's, I don't know, I guess I'm calling them alt-pop, but it's... Uh, it's almost like uh, R&B kind of sort of thing. <laughs> they're not quite sad songs, but they're not especially happy. They're just kind of, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Um, man, I know there's a word, vibe. I it, it definitely it um, creates a certain ambiance, these songs. I'll say that, yeah. <laughs> oh, they're good. So yeah, there's there's a lot of music this week. I was finding a lot of new artists. I had I had hit a bit of a slump. I was repeating a lot of the same old songs that I'd liked. Uh, a lot of the same artists. I wasn't finding any much any more new music that I was getting excited about. 
but then I, I think it was I started on Elio, and then all these other songs just started playing like Fiji Blue, Wolf, Charlie Adams, and they were all just right, <laughs> hitting me at the right time, and it was it was good. So there, all those songs. Those are my weekly picks. You can those will be all in a big playlist that I'll identify in just one second. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Spoon Drift. If you want to listen to the music that I talked about, as I promised, here's the name and where you can find it. You can find it on my Spotify profile, The Spoon Drift Podcast. It'll be on The Spoon Drift Season 2, Episode 6 playlist. So yeah, you can find all those songs that I talked about all there in that playlist. For more episodes of The Spoon Drift, you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spinnaker Radio's home on the web, radio.unfspinnaker.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can even subscribe to the show. If you want to keep up to date on everything to do with The Spoon Drift, you can follow me on Twitter at SpoonDriftPod. That's at SpoonDriftPod. Or on Instagram at SpoonDriftPodcasts. I hope to talk to you next week. All right, or no, that's that's a word that I don't need to be saying. It's like my um. All right, all right, all right. Now for the meat. No, now's another one. Okay, I don't know how to start these things, man. Uh, let's get into it. Let's get down. Let's boogie. Okay, I need to get all these cheesy things out of me before I freeze this podcast and melt it for some mac and cheese there's another um yeah let's get started because the lights turn green or i guess it's red for recording booths i don't know the meat of the show shall be fully cooked and not raw <laughs> or actually some media has preferred raw okay wow the puns i can't i can't stop them they're just coming and coming uh, the main story of the show, boy, if I could have found a more bland way to introduce that, I'm sure I could. <laughs> uh, imposter syndrome. Maybe just start with that, the topic.